You are listening to a message from First Assembly of God. We are a church on a mission to restore everyone, everywhere, to a loving and holy God. If today's message inspires you in any way, would you consider sharing it with a friend? This is just one of the many ways that you can be a part of what God is doing here at First Assembly. Hey, it's great to have you at First Assembly today. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a really good friend? Do you have... Do you have a really good friend? How many are today not in your hometown? This is not where you grew up. This is not where you spent your formative years. Raise your hands high. You're, you're not from normal. Well, not from the town of normal. Not from Bloomington normal. I'm a, raise your hand. Yeah, I'm, I feel you, right? So all of you with your hands raised up, you're not locally close to anyone that you've known your whole life. How many have been in this church, in this congregation, for less than four years? Raise your hand. You've been at First Assembly less than four years. Raise your hand high. Yeah, I'm with you too. There's no one in this room that I've known for more than four years. There's a handful of exceptions that I've known casually for about 25 when I was here in 1993. But for the most part, I'm new to town, fairly new to this church, And finding a godly friend is so important, and it's not easy. When you find a friend, you find a great treasure. When you find a valuable, God-honoring, godly person who is a true friend, man, you've struck gold, and you guard that relationship. You protect it. It's hard to find a friend, isn't it? Okay, maybe I'm the only one who feels that way. Maybe I'm a jerk and no one likes me. It's hard to find a true friend. Proverbs says this. Many people say they're a great friend. Many will say, hey, we're a loyal friend. But who can find one truly reliable friend when you find it? When you find him, when you find her, you guard it closely. As a pastor, it's difficult, frankly. We move around for two years. I was in Chicago, met people for four years in Joliet, and then another 13 years in Plainfield, a year in northern Plainfield, and four years here. When you're transient, when you move, it's hard to build long-term friendships. And a lot of my relationships are kind of dual role relationships, right? They're my friend, but I'm also their pastor. And so it's kind of a blended relationship. I never fully take off the pastor hat, and I never fully embrace the friend. I've got to be a little bit of both to almost everybody. For many people, I'm their friend, but I'm also their boss. And you can't really have just the beautiful simplicity of friendship. On Monday and Tuesday of this week, we pastoral staff and a few of uh, a few credential holders and and the church went to what we call connected conference and the staff snapped a picture of me with somebody so let's here's this picture here I am this is my buddy Brian Brian's a friend I met Brian in 2001 and we've been now friends for was that 17 years For a time, he was on our staff, so I was both boss and friend. 
Now he is the executive director of Chicago Teen Challenge. And he's a friend. And after a day of playing pastor at Connected Conference, I'm a presbyter in our district, so I had to be up front and and pray with people, and it was powerful. And I love speaking into people's lives and praying for my fellow pastors all around the state. When all of that was done, and most of the people were gone, who am I looking for? I'm looking for my friend. The one guy can say, hey, Brian, will you pray for me about this? Friends are awesome. Friends are valuable. We want to take the next five weeks beginning today to talk about friends. The Bible says a lot about friendship. Friendships are gifts from God. A friend is a treasure from heaven to protect and guard. We want to talk about what does the Bible say about godly friendships? How do you find a friend? How do you become a friend? We want to take each week to spend a little bit of time saying, maybe you need to heal. How many have, like, scars from friends that went bad? Probably all of us. And sometimes we protect ourselves, guard ourselves, build the walls of defensiveness to avoid the hurt again, and that sabotages, that sabotages God's plan to send godly friends into our lives. So we need to heal. And some of us, frankly, need to find some addition by subtraction to say, I think I've got a friend in my life who's influencing me in a way that the Bible says is unhealthy and unwise, and this relationship is heading for destruction. So maybe we need to heal. Maybe we need to back away. Maybe we need to recognize that we need to become the friend we're looking for. And all the while that we're talking about this through the month of October, we want you to have the opportunity to first invite people. Today at the end of service, you'll have the opportunity to be handed by an usher an invite card because maybe you have a friend that God's brought into your life. And as you're building relationship with this friend and you're listening to the will of God, you say, now's the time to talk to them about my walk with Jesus. So we want to have, we want to give to you the opportunity, a tool, to invite a friend. And second, we want you to have the opportunity to make a friend. Perhaps you're here and you're like me, you're fairly new to the church, this isn't where you've grown up, you haven't found that one key friend, maybe you and your spouse are here today and you like the church, you, 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 you like the sermons, you like the worship, this is a good place, I just don't have a friend yet. God wants to give you a friend. So we want you to pick two. Everyone say pick two. Pick two. We're not going to Panera, although we welcome you to do that. Pick two. In your worship guide today, you'll see that. Pick two. There's events listed there. There's hangout opportunities. And there's a plethora of group opportunities. Pick two. Pick a group and a hangout. Pick an event and a hangout. Pick an event and a group. Find two. Everyone say pick two. Pick two. Whether you've been in this church for 35 years or three months, our hope is you'll invite a friend and you'll pick two opportunities to build some friendships. Jesus, I pray you'll speak to us today from your word. 
Your word is alive. Your word is powerful. Your word is given to us as a gift so we could know you, your will, your character, and your work in our lives. And we recognize that part of your good work in our life is bringing godly friends to us. So speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So all five weeks, we're going to look at some wisdom for friendship, some wisdom in choosing friends. So we're going to start in the one book of the Bible. We're going to stay, in fact, mostly in one book of the Bible that's about wisdom. It's called the book of Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot to say about friendship. So today's big lesson is this. Here's some wisdom about finding a friend. Avoid the hothead. Look for a warm heart. Avoid the hothead. Look for someone with a warm heart. Anybody know someone who's just like, they're a hot mess? How many are sitting beside someone who is a hot mess, right? Yeah, husbands, put your hands down. Uh, just... let's, wa- let's watch this. Perhaps you recognize this hothead. Yes, thank you. Okay, let's get started. Welcome to Rageaholics Anonymous. What? Rageaholics? George, this can help you. Hey, I am not here for rage. I'm here for revenge. Excuse me. We have a no yelling policy at these meetings. Excuse me. Am I talking to you, Pinhead? Am I? Please don't call me Pinhead. I'm losing it! took you to Rageaholics? Why? Probably because this whole universe is against me. You got a little rage. I know. And now they want me to bottle it up. It makes me so mad! By the way, my bad naked demo didn't quite work. This bread has nuts in it! Oh, great. Elaine, what is wrong with my body? All right, Proverbs 22. George Costanza verse. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot messes. Oh, wait, sorry. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you'll learn to be just like them. Your friends influence you. You will look and act and become like your friend. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you'll learn to be like them and endanger your soul. How many recognize that 2018 America is full of hot messes? Hot-headed people. When I was a young adult growing up, what once was reserved for the stage of Jerry Springer is now everywhere. From the universities, to the streets, to the Senate Judiciary Committee, what was once a hot mess for comedy and like a, a farce of society can become the norm. Can you think of a person in your life who throws gasoline on every little fire they find? Is there someone in your life who takes what could be easily worked around and explodes it 
lights it up. They never met a conflict they couldn't relish in. They love conflict. They never met a fight they didn't join. Let me ask you, how's their marriage doing? How's their second marriage doing? How's their relationships at work and their job before that and their job before that? Watch out for the hothead. If you have a hot-headed friend, you will be burned. And it's not just explosive. It's not just loud. It's not just this sudden outburst of anger. You might have a hot mess that's very quiet, very subtle. It just sort of whispers their way through conflict. Takes one conflict over here and shares it over here and spreads that disease over there. They're not really like an explosion. They're more like a quiet disease that works through relationships, spreading from one group of people to another to another. Proverbs says this, just as damaging as a madman shooting with a deadly weapon is someone who whispers lies to their friends and then says, oh, I was just being sarcastic. I was just joking. Ever have a friend like that? Not loud or explosive. They just cut people down and cover it up with humor. Ah, just being sarcastic. You need to chill out. You're taking it all too seriously. You need just to chill. Well, it's a lot easier to chill if you're not throwing fire everywhere. The verse continues. Fire goes out when you take the wood away. Corals disappear when the gossip closes his or her lips. Sometimes the hot mess isn't a rage of anger. It's a gossip that takes a little bit of conflict and makes it a big issue with lots of people who takes what could have been easily walked through, easily covered up by love and grace and mercy and expounds upon it, expands it exponentially. The gossiper keeps feeding the fires, keeps spreading the pain, just has to share what's on their mind, has to get things off their chest. The proverb continues, a quarrelsome person starts fights easily, as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood. Rumors are these tasty little desserts that sink deep into the souls of people. Huge impact from just this little little dainty morsel. Maybe you're here today, and if you were to be honest with yourself, perhaps you have a friend that's a hot mess, that's a hot-tempered person, explosive with rage. Everywhere they go, things blow up. Conflicts are exaggerated. Or maybe someone who's a gifted gossiper or a whisperer that seems to highlight all the conflicts they've heard and experienced and always bring them to you, drags you into messes all of the time. Maybe you need to create a little bit of distance. That's a difficult thing to do. When you discover that this friend that I have is leading me down toward a path of destruction, how do you do that? It's very challenging. In your life group, 
Some of our life group questions will deal with that. How do you back away? That's not an easy process, very delicate. But heed the warning. Whoever your friend is, you're going to look more and more like them. And you will experience, you will share in the destruction they are causing. Proverbs 16 says this, a troublemaker plants seeds. That hot-tempered person puts seeds into your life, seeds of strife. Gossip will end up separating the best of friends. Violent people mislead their companions, leading them down a harmful path. You're going the wrong way. As two friends are united and one of them choose to remain hot-tempered, and dangerous, and volatile, and gossiping, and full of rumor. You can't walk down a path of health and a path of destruction at the same time. So unless you're Elastigirl, and can continue and just stretch further and further and further, at some point, you will be drugged down to their path of destruction. You need to let that friendship go. Jesus is calling you down a different path now. Maybe you're new to the faith and all of the friendships you've ever had have been in the context of dysfunction and brokenness and pain and sin. And you're new to the faith. You're new to following Jesus and you're beginning to recognize, wow, the path I want my life to go down, the path that Jesus is calling me to walk is so different than all of my other friends. You've got a choice today. You've got a real choice today. Jesus is calling you to a different kind of friendship. And if you trust him, and if you follow him, and you pick two, I believe God will bring to you some healthy, godly friends. And maybe amongst those four, five, six, you will find the godly friend that he's bringing to your life. So maybe you're recognizing today, I've got got a back away from a hot-tempered person, from the hothead. Maybe for you, it's not that you need to back away from them. You've already backed away because you've got the scar on your back, right? You've got that New Balance shoe footprint right on your forehead where they stepped on you so they could move forward. You are the one who's been betrayed. I understand. You don't pastor people for too many years without experiencing betrayal. I get it. I understand. You give yourself away, you start forming a friendship, and then it turns against you. That is normal in life, and I am so sorry. Maybe for you today, in this first week, it's about healing. When a friendship is betrayed, or when you are betrayed, when you are hurt, when you get burned by the hothead, The tendency is to establish this barrier of protection around us. And that may be healthy for a season. Maybe it's a few months, maybe even a couple of years where your guard is up. You stay the distance. You sit in the back. You don't go to anything extra. You go, I'm just going to find Jesus by myself. It's just me and Jesus. That's the only safety I have. That's normal for a season. But that season can't become a lifestyle. At some point, The guard's got to come down. I understand that. But more than me, do you know who else understands that? Do you know who else was betrayed by a friend? Do you know who who else 
felt the pain of their close companion rejecting them? Who else did? Jesus himself. As he sat there at the Last Supper, Judas, go ahead and do what you need to do. When Judas comes to the garden, what word, what noun did Jesus use to address Judas? Friend. Friend. Hundreds of years before Jesus was incarnated, we read this, Psalm 41. They visit me as if they were my friends, but all the while they gather gossip about me. And when they leave, they spread it everywhere. They're, they come like my friend, but they're really just trying to bring me down. Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, has turned against me. This, of course, is David writing it. And centuries later, as Jesus dips the bread and hands it to Judas, these verses are resonating in Jesus' mind. My close companion is betraying me, and here he is. When you have the sense of betrayal, you are not alone in the kingdom of God. In fact, the King of kings and the Lord of lords knows exactly what that feels like. And aren't you glad today when Jesus was betrayed by a friend, he didn't write all future friends off? (laughs) Aren't you glad that Jesus said, if that's how humanity is, forget the cross thing. No. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. The love of God has compelled Jesus. The love for people in redemption compels him to push through the betrayal And to love people in spite of the pain. So maybe for you, this is about healing. Where today you're going to say that hot-headed gossiper, that rumor that was spread, that pain I experienced, and the walls of protection I've established, they need to come down. And I'm going to take a few steps forward to find a beautiful friendship of God. Proverbs says, don't look for the hothead. Avoid him. But look for the person with a warm heart. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need to distance yourself from some people, but all of us need this. We need to become the friend we're looking for. We need to become the friend that we would like to discover and find. How do you become less of the hothead and more of the warm heart? Less of the hot head and more of the warm heart. Let me talk a little bit about a warm heart. I'm not talking about the warm fuzzy, all right? I'm not talking about the mamby-pamby, softy, that's just all ooey and gooey and soft and always nice and passive. Just warm, just a warm, nice person. I don't want a friend like that. I want someone who's a true friend and a genuine, for me, I want a man. What do I mean by a warm heart? This is a hard term for me to come up with. I struggled with it all week, how to define this. So here's what I mean by someone with a warm heart. Someone who has enough heat. Someone who can turn that hot dial up to change you. Someone who can get hot enough at the right time to bring you transformation. And then someone who can turn up the cold knob to give you the grace and comfort and encouragement 
when you need it. I'm not saying warm is always this lukewarm, not hot, not cold. I'm saying someone who is perfectly able to live in hot or cold, and they have the wisdom to know which dial they need to be turning in your life. And you develop that kind of skill and wisdom as well. Have you ever watched, well, here's Proverbs. You probably know this, one of the more famous Proverbs, Proverbs 27. As iron sharpens, right? As iron sharpens iron, so a friend can sharpen a friend. Have you ever watched Forged in Fire? Here, I got the picture of there. Ever watch Forged in Fire, right? They make these knives and these swords, and they got this immense amount of heat, and they're, 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 they're causing the steel to become pliable, and they'll pound it and bend it and shapen it and sharpen it, and just when it's at the right time, they will dip it in the cold water. That's what I'm talking about. Hot enough to change me when I need to be changed and cool enough to give me grace and encouragement when that shaping has already taken effect. Are you with me? Are you that kind of friend? A warm-hearted person. Got a definition, a warm heart. Wise enough, that's the heat. Wise enough and loving enough, the coolness, to allow to leverage this relationship, this friendship, to bring out God's good and perfect will in our lives. To help you become more like Jesus with all of the cool love and grace and all the challenging heat that's needed to shape us rolled up into one beautiful relationship. That kind of person, that kind of friend is a gift from God. Proverbs 11.30 says, a wise person wins friends. A wise person. How do you become this kind of friend? A few things, and then we'll be done this morning. How do you become this kind of warm-hearted friend? Number one, this kind of warm-hearted individual has open ears and a closed mouth. You ever hear this, the, you know, the truism that you can't sneeze with your eyes open? Have you ever tried to do that? Like you see a sneeze coming, okay, oh, here we go, and you get in front of the mirror, and you're like trying to pry them open. You can't sneeze with your eyes open, and you can't listen if your mouth is open. You can't listen with an open mouth. A wise friend has developed the beautiful skill of listening. You can't learn and talk at the same time. You can't understand with your pie hole open. You can't gain or apply wisdom if you haven't learned to listen. A wise friend knows how to be quiet and listen. Proverbs 18, here's the wisdom from God's word. Spouting off before listening to the facts is shameful and foolish. You end up hot when you need to be cool. Or you end up being cool when you need to be hot. You haven't listened. Verse 14, the human spirit can endure all kinds of sicknesses. But who can endure a crushed spirit? By someone who didn't listen well and just started speaking. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. And in friendship, that is critical. I want to learn. I want to know. I want to discover where my friend is at. Because if I speak too soon, it won't be wisdom. It'll be foolishness. The heat and the cool. 
You can't listen via a text message. Facebook Messenger can only go so far. The best Facebook Messenger, the best text you could send to a friend is, when can we get together? And looking eye to eye, ear to mouth, listening, listening. Second, this kind of warm-hearted friend is bold enough to ask the perfect question. Speak the tough truth and apply the right grace in that order. In that order. You ask the question that needs to be asked. You speak the truth that must be spoken. And you apply the grace that needs to be applied. In that order, always in that order, the wise, warm-hearted person listens and says, have, have you prayed about it? What do you think a wise husband would do? What do you think your son needs to hear you say? You ask the question. You ask the question. And then in the conversation, you speak the truth. I think that's what God's Word says too. I think you're still missing it. I think you've got to think through this further. Are you sure about that? And then in that process, you know right when to dip it into the cool water. I know that God has you. Jesus has promised never to let you down, never to fail you, nor forsake you, nor leave you. Just trust the Lord. If you're hearing from the Lord, if you're speaking the truth, God's got your life, friend, and you encourage and you build up and you help your friend become someone that they never could have been without you because God put you into their life to make them a more godly, more beautiful, more loving, more mature, more gracious, more righteous, more Jesus-like. And when that relationship is that warm, listening, wise, and I've asked the questions, I've spoken the truth that needed to be said, and I'm cool enough to apply grace and love and encouragement, wow, that's a relationship I crave. Godly friendship. Many of you know this proverb that says it well. Proverbs 27, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Being warm doesn't mean you're weak. You're willing to ask the tough questions that cause your friend to think and to pray and to pursue the will of God. You're willing to speak the truth into their life and you're willing to stand beside them as their key encourager and supporter. Those kinds of wounds, though that kind of process is a gift from the Lord. Number three, how do you become this kind of warm-hearted friend? Keep one ear, again listening, keep one ear on your friend and one ear on the Holy Spirit. Living life, one fully devoted to listening to the people that God sent you and constantly asking for the Spirit to guide you. This last week, maybe it was two weeks ago now, three weeks ago perhaps, it's a coffee hound in Uptown Normal sharing a, a coffee with Joel Van Briggle, one of our supported missionaries, son-in-law to Kurt and Martha, Gummerman, married to Gail Gummerman. So we were just out for coffee. He's living back here in the area as he's finishing his final 
um, sprint toward raising his support. So we're out at the coffee hound. I'm, I'm hearing about his life. He's hearing about my life. Missionaries are great gifts to pastors because they, they get the life of a pastor. They don't want to be one. And I get the life of a missionary, and I want one. I don't want to be one. We get each other. We understand each other's worlds. And he asked me, so what do you got left on your calendar tonight? And I told him about a pretty tough meeting. I said, Joel, here's the conversation I'm about to walk into. It is a mess, and I'm afraid. God needs to show up. If God doesn't show up, and I mess this up, a family hangs in the balance. It's easy to preach a sermon, right? I have a whole week. I can write it, pray about it. But when you sit down face-to-face with people that are at that juncture in their life, where you know they could veer off this way or they could turn toward Jesus. And I've got 30 minutes. My friend Joel so kindly said, wow, let's just pray. And there at Coffee Hound, my friend just prayed that I would hear the voice of the Spirit through the conversation. That my love for them, that transcending that would be God's love for my friend. And that somehow in the midst of this tumultuous season of crazy emotions and this big mess, that we could hear the voice of God. I'm thankful for a friend that will listen to me. Listen to me, but also listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and say, you know what we need to do? We just need to pray. And thank God he did. Peace filled my heart. I had no plan, no prepared statements, walked into the meeting, and God worked. Thank the Lord. That's a gift of a friend who will listen to me, but say, I think Jesus wants us to pray. A godly friend, the kind of friend you want to be and the kind of friend you want to find has an ear to the Holy Spirit while they're listening to their friend. This world is full of hot-headed people. This world is full of people who have wide open mouths and really teeny tiny ears. Thank God I don't believe in evolution because if Jesus doesn't come back for a thousand years, we will not have ears anymore. We'll just be one big mouth. (laughs) Don't succumb to the world's patterns. Avoid the hothead. Look for the person with the warm heart. Don't become the hothead. Be the person with a warm heart. When you live in this world with your ears open and your mouth closed, when you live in this world wise enough to ask the hard question and speak the truth and apply grace, when you live in this world with one ear toward your friend and one ear toward God, people will notice that you're a different kind of coworker. You're a different kind of peer. You're a different sort of neighbor. When you're in an argument about someone who disagrees with you politically, your attitude is completely different than the rest of the world. Why? Why are you so different? Because I'm a friend of God. You will look like your friend. You will act like your friend, and Jesus calls us. I mean, stop the presses, 
shut down the sermon, forget everything that's been said. This is amazing. Jesus says, I'm calling you a friend of God. That's just nuts. That's just crazy. You know, like, people want to be my friend when you're about at the same level of influence. I I got news for you. God's got a couple rungs of the ladder up on me. And he wants to be my friend. And that friendship will eventually make me more and more like him as he influences me, speaks to me. Here's what Jesus says. Think think, think about this. Jesus says this, there is no greater love, John 15, no greater love. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, setting as the last supper. This is his, his final conversations with his disciples. There is no greater love than to lay one's life down for a friend. And you are my, say it, you're my friends if you do what I command, if you're following me, if you're following my patterns for life. We're, we're friends. We're going down the same path together. Jesus goes on, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. No, now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You were designed, you were created You are called into existence by God himself to become a friend of God and a friend of Jesus. You are on this earth with this singular purpose to know God, to be in relationship with God through Jesus, to be a friend of God. Boosh. Blows your mind. Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves. Why? Why would Jesus' disciples feel like slaves? Why would they have that mindset? Maybe some of you relate to God as a slave. You've lived most of your life in the church. You know all the rules. You know the ways you need to behave. You know when to stand, when to sit, when to raise your hand, when to pull it down, when to speak up, when to be quiet. You know all the Ten Commandments, or maybe eight or nine of them, right? You know what's good, what's bad, and you live your life to stay in those boundaries. I've got to please God. I've got to make God happy. I've got to obey my master. And you have a slave-master relationship with God. You don't have a friendship with God. You obey him out of obligation and, and your best effort. I've got to be a good employee. I've got to obey all the rules. I've got to check off all the boxes. So when I get to the end of my life, God will say, yeah, I got about a 97.4 in your life, that's pretty good. Welcome to heaven. And you're just hoping your grade is good enough, that you're a good enough servant, good enough slave. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You're not a slave. You're my friend. You will become like me by being with me. You will become like me by being in relationship with me. Some of you have lived far too long as a slave. You need to become a friend of God. Some of you aren't slaves or friends. You're like strangers. You, you, don't, you don't know who Jesus is. You don't know God. You've walked through your life and you've never, you've never discovered who your creator is, his purpose for your life while you're here. You're just living life hoping to make enough money to buy something nicer tomorrow than what you had last week. You're just going through your life hoping the next person doesn't betray you, hoping to find the next relationship, hoping you find the next car, the next house, the promotion, and it is empty because you will never be fulfilled as a stranger with God. 
He's called you to be a friend with him. So you, maybe you're a slave today. Maybe you're a stranger. Maybe, maybe you're more like a casual acquaintance. Oh, yeah, God. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think we're friends on Facebook, you know? I, when I'm scrolling, once in a while, I'll see that scripture verse. And you're a casual acquaintance. Or maybe you're a long-lost friend. But I remember when I used to pray. I remember when I felt the presence of God. Slave, maybe. Stranger, casual acquaintance, long-lost friend. Maybe you're a rebel. Like you know it, but you've chosen to fight it. And today that rebellious, angry, tense spirit is giving way. Isn't it amazing that you're here today? I know some of you are here today because you were here last week and the week before and the week before, but some of you are here today because God brought you here. Some of you are here today just for the one simple fact that before you die, God wants you to know you can be a friend of God. Isn't God that loving? Like he he could orchestrate your life to make sure you're here and you get to choose today. Do you want to be a friend of God or not? And that choice matters a bunch. That choice matters a ton. And so I don't know if this is your one shot or if you're going to have a dozen more to come, but this is, this is today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to acknowledge you can be a friend of God and make that decision. And here's how. This is so wild, and we don't get out of here till 11 o'clock, right? So we're good. We're good. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, and with this I close. That was supposed to be humorous, and that just bombed. Sorry. Romans 5. Jesus makes a way for us to become friends with God. Verse 8. Good. But God showed his great love for us. Pause. God loves you. In your relationship with God, when your quest to know God and be a friend of God, God chose you first. God beat you to it. You're not sitting around going, man, I really wish I could be a friend of God. God's thought of that long before you were born. God's seen you from eternity past. God doesn't even exist in time. Time is irrelevant to God. God is here now. God was here a million years ago. God's going to be here a million years from now. It's all wrapped up in the one big eternal timelessness for God. He has seen you forever, and he's already decided to love you. Think about that. Since God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, and since we've been made right in God's sight by Jesus' sacrifice, God chose long before you to be your friend. He's longing to know you, longing to love you. And he decided to pay the price to make that friendship work. Even when we were lost We were slaves. We we had that attitude of employee-employer. We were strangers. We were rebels. We were casual acquaintances. God says, I love you. I love you. I want to be your friend. And he let Jesus die. He sent Jesus to be the sacrifice. So if he did that, he will certainly save us from condemnation. And then verse 10, verse 10 and 11 is like the home run. For since our friendship with, with God was restored by the sacrifice of Jesus while we were his enemies. 
we will certainly, now that Jesus has died for us, wow, we'll be saved through Jesus' life and his resurrection power. Verse 11, so now we party. Now we're excited. Now we're friends of God and we rejoice. Now we rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. No longer strangers, no longer long-lost friends, casual acquaintances, no longer slaves of God, friends of God. Why? Why would Jesus make us friends of God? Because you become like your friends. And that's the ultimate purpose of Jesus' death. Jesus died to forgive your sins, of course. Jesus died to forgive you of your past, yes. Jesus died to provide forgiveness of your sins tomorrow, yes. But bigger than that, Jesus wants you to become like him. That when you're gone, when you're dead, you will live forever in eternity made fully like Jesus. And your whole life in your friendship with God is about him shaping you more and more into the image of Jesus because you're his friend and you look like your friends. Do you need to be a friend of God today? Last couple questions. Here it is. Do you need to make the decision to become a friend of God? If you do, just lift up a hand. Say, yeah, that's me. I've been a casual acquaintance. I've been a long-lost Friend, you know, I think I remember. Raise your hand. Say, I want to take a step forward in friendship with God. Awesome. Anyone else? We're just going to pray together across the whole church. Anyone else? Five more seconds. Five, four, a friend of God. Awesome. Can we pray together, church, to say, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to be the sacrifice to not only forgive me, but make me a friend of God. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to become like Jesus. I want to be his friend. So make me more and more like Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that, it's pretty simple. Take that, take that, connect, that connect and belong card. Take this back to Connecting Point today, and, and we'll help you go from, man, just praying a prayer, which is like a step toward friendship, and get into growth track where you can learn so much more and just take four Sundays to get started right. Two more questions. Do you need, listen, do you need to heal? Let me, on behalf of the church, ask for forgiveness. If a church leader, a pastor, Someone of influence, someone who was following Jesus, who made the wrong choice of words, chose the wrong action, or did something heinous on behalf of the church. I'm sorry. I pray that you'd find in your heart this opportunity to forgive. Sometimes Jesus' followers hurt us so bad that we choose to back away from Jesus. I get that. But that's not going to take you down a path of life. At some point, you have to take that agony and that pain and give it back to God. So first, I go first. I'm sorry. I pray that you would forgive that person who hurt you. And you would allow me to represent Christians. And just say, I'm really sorry. Forgive them. I pray you would. Because that will lower, lower that wall. And allow some godly Christian people to become your friend again.
do you need that? Father, for those in our church, and some of them may have been really hurt. Some of them may have been really betrayed. I've pastored long enough and been with enough people that I know the enemy can use some really grotesque actions of people to scar. So Jesus, take those wounds, those betrayals, and begin healing my brothers and sisters. God, those wounds of the past do not have to control their future. Set them free from that. Heal those wounds. Finally this morning, how many would say, I need God's help to be a better friend. I want to be that warm heart, wise enough to know when to turn up the heat or bring the temperature down. You want to raise your hand? You want to pray with me? God, make us the friends that we want to find. May we become the people that you can use in godly friendship in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you got a lot out of today's message and that you'll share it with a friend. To stay connected with what's happening here at First Assembly, be sure to go to the App Store and type in 1AGBN to download the app. Remember, God's created you for a great purpose. Now go and live it out today.